The change to GTA 5's returning player bonus. You're a returning player to Los Santos. It's funny, whether it was because of a glitch or who knows, but uh, everyone now gets the returning player bonus, which you used to only be able to get if you played the 360 and PS3 version. Or the PS3 version, I mean. This involves, like, you can now get hey, the up, Duke of Death or whatever, which is, like, bulletproof. There's a... Uh, was it the rail gun now, which I have access to, but none of the returning player stuff is still being incorporated into the run, and I don't plan to use it. Maybe eventually. I'm not even 100% sure where to get the Duke of Death. Duke of Death could only be useful for legal trouble, but the new strat has made that pointless. True, true. I mean, you could use it for, um, long strats, Joe. But I mean, there's no chance you're getting shot on long strats. Like, like you, you could use it in places where one in a trillion chance you might get shot by something if you do something wrong, you know? Oh, is it a two-seater? Oh yeah, then that'd be useless, useless in long stretch too, yeah. True, true. The future of VR and the potential psychological ramifications. So I was watching this interesting video yesterday, chat, which coincidentally was related to a topic that I brought up on stream. It's pretty obvious that playing video games doesn't cause you to become a violent person and doesn't mean you're gonna um, commit violent crime or something like that. A big reason for this is that your ability to fully immerse yourself in the world of a video game is, it's just not complete. You know, so you, you have an understanding of how you should be interacting in this game versus in real life. But uh, the video was talking about VR and the limited amount of research that has been done about how VR affects how you interact with the world and your behavior and how VR can potentially change you or whatever. Um, and the video was like, the evidence that VR can make you into a violent person isn't there, but it's more due, uh, like, the question hasn't been answered because it's just not enough research on it, right? And as VR gets better and better and better, like, you gotta wonder, man, like, if VR gets to the point where it's effectively indistinguishable from real life, and you spend all your time in this real-life simulation shooting people, you know, is that not going to eventually bleed over into your personality or whatever? Are you propensity to commit violence in real life? That's not inconceivable to me, you know? Yeah, because uh, your brain will not be able to distinguish between something truly, completely immersive and real life. So, just like in real life, how if you, you know, perform the same behaviors over and over and over again, you're, you're, you're training yourself, right? And so if in VR, all you do is play really, really violent stuff, is this going to affect you? It's interesting. Like, I've been watching a lot of VR content. This guy, Thrillseeker, uh, he does a lot of good VR content on YouTube. And uh, a video of his recently blew up where he, they have these um, commercially viable, like, trackpad things that you stand on. So, like, you can move your legs in the real world and then you move in the virtual world. And he recently put up another, another video talking about this new VR headset. Costs like $7,000 or something. But if it, like, to him, it's like on a new level of immersion, feeling like you're actually in there. Like, your brain can give you phantom senses where even though you know you're not touching something and that it's fake, your brain processes it almost as if it's real. And so it feels like you're touching something even though you aren't actually touching something. And, and it, it, it's all very interesting to me. Um, makes me want to get back into VR. 
like even before VR technology was getting as good as it is today, I was always concerned about the possibility of uh, how it will change people who spend so much time in it. But it's just an interesting thing on, you know? I don't think I can be fully immersed in something when your head has a, yeah, it, like exactly, like as long as there's still some measure of this is just fake and your brain can distinguish that, then we're probably still fine. It will probably still be the level of separation that I'm experiencing playing GTA 5 right now. But eventually, presumably, if the technology gets better and better and better and better, and that degree of separation gets smaller and smaller and smaller, what research exists that suggests that video games don't cause violence or whatever will become less and less applicable, right? And more research will need to be done. Would people even enjoy a game with ultra-realistic murder? Most people seem to be fine in-game because it's different enough from real life. I mean, there are people in the real world who enjoy harming others, but either abstain because of the potential social ramifications or actually do it and suffer those social ramifications. If you mean the average person, I, admittedly, I don't think I would enjoy a game where it was too realistic. If, if, if I, if my brain was processing what I was doing to the same degree that it would um, me actually harming someone in real life, I think that would disturb the fuck out of me and I wouldn't enjoy it. But who knows, you know? And it could be that thing where uh, you tell yourself it's just a game or whatever and then you get used to it in VR and then you find out that you like that kind of thing and you might try to do something similar in real life, who knows? I'm just saying, it's an interesting thing to think about, and it would be something that should probably be researched as VR technology gets better and better. The brain is a fucking crazy thing, chat. Most of the processing that is done is done outside of your conscious awareness. Who knows what affects who, to what degree, and to what ends, you know? Like, you aren't aware of everything that is going on in your brain, or what is affecting you, and what is changing over time. Psychology, very interesting topic, and a very hard thing to study because people are so varied and there's a lot of ethical considerations and a lot of it's hard to measure because you are, in many cases, just uh, having to, to some degree, trust the subjective reportings of your participants. At the same time, can't games be used to relieve people of those emotions than doing it in real life? Yeah, so there's this thing called, um, what is it? Well, it's gradual exposure where a person has some trauma associated with something and so VR can be used to gradually expose the person to that particular thing under a controlled circumstance. You know, a person's very afraid of heights, so you put them in a VR simulation where they slowly get exposed to heights, uh, and then they become more and more useful. And that's been shown to have the effect of, uh, you know, changing how a person experiences that thing in real life and their potential trauma around it. And of course, most of what VR is being used to do today is training people to perform particular tasks. Like, it might be very expensive to set up a whole simulation of a hotel or something to train people of uh, where they're meant to be and how they're meant to engage with other people or whatever, but you put them in a VR s setup and it's a lot cheaper to do. They, they use it in the military as well. If I can remember to link it, I, I, the video I watched was two hours long. It came out January 2020. Who knows, in the last two years, the research may have gone even further than that. The video is really long and potentially not the best presented, but what is presented in it is very interesting. Yeah, but watching Thrill Seeker's videos got me really excited 
for VR in the future. But also a bit fearful, because just imagine that VR becomes effectively better than real life. Like, you can just chuck around fireballs and it, it just feels that real or whatever. How much of society would be spending all their time productively working in a world that doesn't really exist? When I say productively working, I mean like learning a skill in VR while potentially fun and enjoyable won't necessarily improve your well-being in the real world, you know? Like the same effort applied to a VR world can only ever get you, you know, entertainment. While that effort in real life can uh, improve your, your circumstances, your well-being, the stability for your future. Although I suppose it could be possible that we just end up creating a form of capitalism or whatever in VR where everything is uh, gated off and uh, you gotta do certain things in VR to make currency in order to buy different products and stuff, <laughs> you know. Because isn't that the premise of... Uh, no, it's, it's not the premise. Uh, well, that's definitely a part of... Um, what's that? Um, Ready Player One, that's it, yeah. Like, you could be pessimistic and say that VR will eventually just hit a wall that won't be able to be passed and... Uh, I should play FNAF VR when I get the chance. I will never play FNAF. Never. The amount of money that you'd have to give me for me to go to that effort. Insane. Why? Because I'm so sick of people asking about FNAF and the word FNAF annoys me. If I was going to do a VR game, I'd probably end up doing GTA 5 VR, which is a third party thing, but I hear it's pretty decent. My new clothes washing service wardrobe setup. I do still have clothes in my wardrobe that I haven't worn in years that aren't black tank tops and black shorts. I really enjoyed recently when I gave all my washing to a, a washing service and uh, they gave them back to me in these really nice cool piles. They were all perfectly uniform in how they were folded. These neat little stacks and I didn't I don't have a chest of drawers, I just left them on my floor. So I've been, every day, just picking out a new pair of black underwear, a new pair of black shorts, and a new black tank top from this pile. <laughs> the pile slowly gets smaller. Cyberpunk and the viability of video game stories. Uh, have I played Cyberpunk? I played Cyberpunk for maybe three hours when it first came out. Didn't super drive with me. Like a video game story has to be really good and told really well for me to really be interested in it. Like you understand? I've I've read or listened to like must be close to a thousand books or something. I've I've watched hundreds of TV shows. They and at this point tens of thousands of YouTube videos. Like it's gonna be a really good story for me to really care because video games are not often the best way to tell a story. It's very hard to have gameplay that complements the story rather than gets in the way of it. It can be done. Indeed, some stories make the most sense to be told in games, like ones where you you impact the story being told, or like what you do impacts how easily you get some of the story, or like you, you can get a sense of achievements completing something so you get more of the story, whatever. But absence those kind of mechanics, I would much rather just watch a cutscene movie on YouTube watch a TV show, watch a movie, as opposed to play a video game for a story. In general, I play video games for the video game part, you know. Putting off episodes of Pacifist Percent. Next Pacifist, 
I have this issue where I'm always productive, at least I prefer to be, but I'm not always necessarily working on the thing that I should be working on, you know? Pacifist is definitely something I should be working on, but I have a bunch of other smaller, easier tasks that I can work towards and complete far faster, and that are far less stressful, and so I usually end up doing those instead. I mean, like, I made 400 clips and 400 thumbnails for those clips. I could have spent all that time working on Pacifist. But I mean, those clips had to eventually be made anyway. It had to be done. It's not like I was inventing some other task to avoid Pacifist. If I had nothing else to do, I would just work on Pacifist. But while I can justify doing something else, I tend to justify doing something else. Until eventually where I'm like, oh shit, it's been like a bajillion years since the last Pacifist episode. I gotta start working immediately. My long list of video ideas. I have no interest in GTA roleplay. I always thought I would end up doing it because I'd run out of stuff to do, but I never run out of stuff to do. There are so many things that I want to do. Like, li literally, my list of just stream or video ideas is like a hundred long. Some not as good as the others, right? But, like, I'm not a person who's like, man, I have nothing to do today. Every day I wake up and I assess how much energy do I have, what are the things that I want to do that I feel like I have the energy to do, you know? TikTok as a gateway to new music. I've been finding some real good songs lately. Just stumbling across them, whether it be on YouTube or TikTok or whatever. Or, like those who don't watch TikTok, man, you're missing out on some good music. And that might be because like, TikTok is one of the few platforms that publishers are okay with people using their music. And so some new hit song comes out or something that's really catchy or whatever, it usually ends up being in people's TikToks. Although, I did hear, didn't Facebook, for Facebook gaming, make a deal so that their streamers can just play new songs? Is that a thing? GTA Guesser and GTA Roleplayers. Oh, call me Kevin did a GTA Guesser video? Great. Hope it leads to more people playing it. Did he do well? No, really? Because <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of people who casually enjoy GTA who, uh... Would like to have a go at it, but wouldn't necessarily do good at it. I think the people who do the best are RPers. I was talking to, to Pez recently, who does GTA RP, and he does really well. He's, he apparently has 3,000 hours in the game or something, but obviously most of my, my 8,000 hours was when I was speedrunning the game, and that's a particular part of the game. But RPers, if you've done RP for hundreds, if not thousands of hours, you go all over the map, you know? Taste, Food, and the Trash Taste Podcast. If you had a chance, would you ever go on Trash Taste? I mean, a speedrunner would be an interesting topic. So I watched the most recent episode of Trash Taste, and they talked about food for over two hours. And while I listened to it all, I'm like, I can't relate to anything that any of these guys are saying. I haven't been to any restaurants. I can't even really remember the taste of like any food that I've ever eaten. I eat more because it's a thing that I have to do. While my body has cravings, I don't really care. Like, I've been... When I used to work at Coles, for five years, I went Subway and beef kebabs over and over and over again. I remember Gant saying, like, no one would ever have a kebab unless they were drunk. And I'm sitting here like, man, I had, like, a kebab, like, every day. <laughs> it was just kebab, Italian BMT, kebab, Italian BMT, for, like, five years. No complaints. No regrets. And even now, when I wake up in the morning, like, it's like, do I want Domino's, 
McDonald's, Red Rooster, KFC, and maybe like once in a billion years of Porter. I've recently changed things up, guys. I've had Nando's like once. Expanding my horizons. <laughs> like like for, for two hours, I'm listening to these guys discuss like the intricate fine details of different cuts of meat and like the, the intricacies of what happens when you cook it for this long and this long. I'm like, I have no fucking idea what any of these guys are talking about. Like, so if I went on Trash Taste, all I can imagine is they would start talking about food and I would just have to sit there going, oh yeah, very good, very good. <laughs> I would have nothing to input, you know? The memory I have of most enjoying food is when I was in primary school and Friday, my mother would give me some money to go to the canteen, which is a little store that sells stuff or whatever. And I would get myself a bottle of Coke, a chicken burger, and a bag of mixed lollies. And I remember being so excited every Friday. I'd like be watching the clock and I would bound down the stairs at the speed of sound because risking my life if I'd ever tripped, just because I, I wanted to be first in line at the canteen. Didn't want to wait in line for my chicken burger. The burger bun was always so perfectly soft that it had so much flour on it. It was like you, you take a bite and you're like, what's his name? Is it Kaiser Sose or whatever from Scarfish, covered cocaine kind of thing. Those burgers could have had cocaine in them, for all I know, because they were that good. But I cannot remember at all what that burger tastes like. Even now talking about it, my mouth waters, but I can't remember what it tastes like. I just know that I was really excited and I really enjoyed it. And I can remember the texture. It was like all squishy and soft and stuff. I can remember the, the temperature, it was like so warm and whatever, but I can't remember the taste. It makes me fairly useless whenever I uh, talk about food. But yeah, I was looking up, like, I don't know if my inability to remember tastes and smells, if, if that's a thing to do with my brain or if it's just a thing that I've never learned. Like, I was reading somewhere that you can, you can train yourself to better be able to remember those things. And that, uh, that maybe I was just in an environment where dedicating mental power to that was just not worth the time. It's, it's possible that maybe just after so many years of eating bland flu food or the same food over and over and over again while I was a kid, my brain's like, you don't even remember this shit, son. This ain't important. This is the same thing every day. <laughs> you know? So maybe if I just like tried to remember food and the, the taste, I mean, long enough, I'd, I'd eventually grind it into my head, but I don't know. But I can, I can, recognize taste, remember, just not recall it. So like, when I bite into something, I can tell you if it's how it should taste or not. Could be a genetic thing. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's super studied or not. But yeah, listening to the guys on Trash Taste all reminisce about all these amazing foods they've had and the intricacies and different tastes between them. I was just like, oh, you know. My plan for eternal youth. If it ain't another middle-aged man staring into the abyss. Aw, oh, man, I'm only 30. Is that middle-aged chat? Am I old? I had someone write a comment on my Twitter that they were 36. And I was like, that's pretty old. It's like, oh shit. I'm only six years off that. Dang. My, despite being 30, my perception of old is still like 35. <laughs> and someone in chat just wrote that they're 35. I get, you know. I think my perception is just warped because I spend so much time online and most people in my field, like, you know, are in their 20s, still. I sometimes feel really old and sometimes don't at all. But hey, I never go in the sun, 
So by the time I hit 50, I'll still look like I'm 30, okay? There's that old stereotype where like, Asian men don't age between the ages of like 30 and 60. Uh, I plan to set a new thing where people say the same thing about speedrunners. <laughs> Just never go in the sun, chat. It's the secret to eternal youth. <laughs> That's not how that works. Amen. Look, I'll, I'll be the guinea pig. I'll find out for us all. I learned today that Kingdom Hearts 2 is 20 years old. That was like my favorite game as a kid, chat. It's 20 years old now. That means I'm more than 20 years old. That's crazy. Be sure to like the video and subscribe to my channel. It costs you nothing and I wish you all the best.